up for nothing under the soil in the earth Breaking through the rocks, growing wild and tall Till the buds begin to pop Pack me in a bowl or roll me in a spliff While you're breaking me down, you can feel your Hello, this is Ryan Heron from Portland, Oregon. And hey everyone, this is Amanda Breeze, and I am not in Toronto. I am in Buffalo, New York. Uh, yeah, and we're here today to talk about uh, one of our favorite plants, cannabis, and all of the good, interesting, fun details around it. Uh, today, Amanda is on the road, so we're like, let's record a quick podcast and you can tell us about the local scene. Uh, tell us where you're at. So I'm in Buff City, Buffalo, New York, home of buffalo chicken wings and pizza logs. And uh, I learned that it is actually the second largest city in New York State. Very nice. Which is kind of interesting. You know, as a Torontonian, it gives uh, small city vibes. But I've been having a great time so far. Um at this moment, I am a little snowed in, so I might be living here forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is our emergency. Like, okay, can we still record uh, from the road? And yeah, hey, look, we got it all set up. You're looking good. You're sounding good. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, it's not looking good. What are you getting into? Okay, so let's talk about the weed here. You know, I I wanted to come down to Buffalo because, well. It's been all over Canadian media about these um, recreational dispensaries opening up in New York City. And so being as a big portion of our tourism in Canada, cannabis tourism comes from New York, I was just like, what's going on down there? Like, are we going to be losing all these, you know, New York tourists? Like, how is this going to play out for the Canadian cannabis community? So I was like, you know what, let's just pop into upstate New York and see what's happening there. And um, all, uh, you know, Niagara region dispensaries can rest assured that as of right now, there's no competition in upstate New York and people will probably continue to come to the great north to get their cannabis needs taken care of. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. It's got to be so sketchy crossing international borders to go grab a little weed, but uh, definitely something I would have done when I was a younger gentleman. Well, what I've been finding, you know, working in, on, in Ontario is that like, there's a ton of tourists over the past four years that basically are potheads. They want to go and smoke legal weed. And so they come to Canada because they can just walk around, smoke whatever they want. You can walk into any dispensary and buy it, even if you're not from there. And so we have a lot of people that just come up. Plus the American dollar is great right now. So if you were taking a quick vacay and you wanted to smoke some weed and you lived in New York, really like Toronto is a great place to go. So yeah, I've worked at a few dispensaries where we've had uh, New Yorkers specifically that drove up just to check out um, the weed and see what's happening. And so I was wondering, you know, with all these rec shops starting to open, um, what it would be like on this side of the border. So yeah, I came down to check it out. Um, so <clears throat> I haven't gone very far, right? I'm, I'm in Buffalo. So it's really only two hours from Toronto. And um, I will say that since uh, recreational cannabis has been legalized, uh, not a lot has really happened here. Um, this is what I've been learning. So, okay, you know, right before the new year, at the end of December, it was big news that the first rec dispensary opened in New York City um, called the Housing Company. 
so am I getting that right? It was called uh, Housing Works Cannabis Co. Oh, okay. Thank you for checking. Okay, so they opened like right at the end of 2022. And then since then, two other dispensaries have opened for adult rec use. Um, one called the Union Square Travel Company and one called uh, Smacked, I think, something like that. So, but they are all located in New York City. They're all in Manhattan. So nothing has gone beyond the New York City, Manhattan area. Um so on one hand, that's kind of a bit of a, a dump situation for people wanting to buy recreational cannabis. But on the other hand, part of the reason that they've been so slow to open up rec is because of how strict the regulations in New York are in terms of equity and um, bringing in people who have been um, who've had their lives ruined by the justice system due to cannabis related crimes. So all of these shops that are opening have huge, uh, have a huge focus on their profits going back into the community. And all of the owners of these businesses are people that have been involved with like street involved people, um, justice involved people. And so in a way, like I have a lot of respect, <laughs> you know, yeah. I can't find any feed here, but I have a lot of respect for what they're doing. Right. In some ways it's, uh, it's nice because it's not just something that they threw on. It's like, Oh, and uh, 5% of our licenses go to people previously affected by the war on drugs. It is straight up. That's what we're leading with. It's not. Exactly. Uh, so I did really appreciate that as well, though. I kind of feel like the fact that New Yorkers have three places and it, it, when it first launched, there was just one place that you could go and buy real legal licensed weed um that is just insane to me <laughs> it would be like there's one place in new york to get pizza slices yeah <laughs> okay i guess there's gonna be a hell of a line and you know it's funny because i saw pictures of the lines when um housing works first opened and it was exactly the same here the first rec shop was called honey pot and it was the same thing lines around the block people are going crazy and it's funny because you and i i mean we've both been buying from the black market as i'm sure have all of the people in the line, like nobody just wakes up one day and says, I'm going to stand in line for six hours to buy my first joint. So it's like, everyone just wants to check out what the rec market is offering. Um, and to be fair, like if I had a little more time and a little more money, I would drive down New York's like maybe a nine hour drive, eight hour drive. So it's a bit of a commitment to going down there, but mostly this trip here, I was just curious to see how, how opening these rec shops in New York City has impacted the upstate community and the communities surrounding. Um, so I have been doing a very deep dive into legalization of cannabis in New York and the history of cannabis in New York. And actually, I would point out that I found a really, really neat article on Leafly about um, the history of cannabis uh, for... Uh, it was like, like in the music community. So it's like about minorities and cannabis. Oh, Harlem, specifically Harlem's history of cannabis. And that traced a really interesting lineage of cannabis use during prohibition from like the 1900s to now. Um, so I actually think, you know, when you see articles like that and you start to understand the history of a place like this where, um, there have been people that have been severely marginalized by cannabis prohibition. To me, it's like, it's actually quite a beautiful thing 
to see that New York's really putting the effort into making amends in context of recreational cannabis legislation. Yeah, yeah. And then even on the black market end of things, New York uh, is is really important historically for uh, Res Dog and Sour D and bicycle deliveries. Uh, like there has been a cannabis culture in New York for the last like 40 years that was just below the surface, but mostly available to anyone in the city who just looked for it a little bit. Yeah, well, and that's the thing with weed. It's always fucking there. It's never <laughs> yeah, not been there. Really I haven't, best, right? I've never been anywhere where I couldn't find it, you know, from like fucking... <laughs> northern idaho to like california it's always there when i'm buying a little bit of like hash from somebody on the street in rome it and just trying to get a bag from somebody in minneapolis it's always just some dude and then i felt like new york had like an organized system <laughs> that wasn't just like hey my cousin grew this you know what i mean yes um and i will say that's it's that that vibe is still here. That vibe is alive and well. Um, and in fact, just this morning, I was hearing some local horror stories about, you know, the local dealer who's like an older, lonely guy. and You got to sit there and smoke a joint with him. And you just want to get your weed and you just want to leave. But he wants to hang out and like talk about his, you know, baby mama drama. Like, you know, just like that classic scenario of that guy you don't actually want to hang out with, but he's the only guy. And so you got to go there. And so that was, you know, that's one of the things that's come up is that people don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> We don't have to go sit in that basement and play play nice just to get a couple grams of weed and walk out the door. Um, so, yeah, but overall, um, I would say that even though weed has been available for recreational use since 2021 here, um, there is nothing happening in upstate New York. So I uh, but I. I prevail. I persevere. I've been oh, doing yeah. my wanderabouts, trying to suss out the situation, of course. So um, for the most part around here, tourists do not have access to cannabis in the legal market or even really in the illicit market. The only way you can buy weed around here is from uh, the Seneca Nation, which is the indigenous reservation. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So it's about uh, an hour from Buffalo, Niagara region. And so you can take a nice scenic drive towards Salamanca, New York, and um, the indigenous reservations in Allegheny and Cataragus territory. It's the sovereign Seneca nation. And because it's indigenous reservation, it's indigenous land, they don't operate within the same confines of everyone else. And so there's tons of flexibility for you to just go there. And of course they have everything they have your edibles they have your vape carts they have flour and um great quality so that's what i've been smoking on to answer your question yes. <laughs> is i've been definitely um trying the edibles and smoking some of the green from that region um and i've been hearing some really funny stories about it because they have great selection they also have great prices and it's the same thing in ontario is that a lot of the uh, legal market dispensaries are competing with the indigenous run dispensaries oh. because 
they're not paying the same level of taxes. And so they're able to offer completely different pricing. Now, I personally don't see it as competition. I think everyone's just doing their own thing. And anyone who throws shade at the native run dispos is a piece of shit. Like just that is, we don't go there. I think that's kind of messed up. So I actually love the fact that around here, that's the place to go. That's the place to pick up the good weed. Um, and I even heard that if you go out there and buy gas, they give you free pre-rolls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, it's, I can't think of anything better than uh, filling up and, and looking at the price and going, ouch. <laughs> and then someone going, it's all good, man. Here, go home, chill out. We got you. Yeah. Yeah, so they've got everything covered. So a lot of the greenery right now in upstate New York is definitely coming from the Seneca Nation pot shops. Um, there are a handful of rec, illicit rec dispensaries in the area. Okay. Um, so I went on uh, a couple, I spent a couple days looking for them. So they're on weed maps. You know, I went to my usual sources. I went to my weed maps. I went to Leafly. I went to um, High B&B, which is a great website. And was really tough to find stuff um so i spent like a little bit of time trying to google and suss out some locations to just at least see some of the weed that's being grown around here yes and so yes. i came across yeah a place called b mills which i i think is short for billions of millions but i actually don't know that's just oh. <laughs> what i've been calling it um and i'll be posting some pictures of it this week on my instagram but that shop was cool you know, you walk in, they have this stunning mural of big open fields and buffaloes getting high. Like, it's it's funny. Nice. Um, and the vibe there is very chill. So, like, I was able to walk right in. Um, they have the weed laid out right on the counter, kind of Oregon style, you know, a handful of jars. So you can see what uh, products they're offering. Um, however, many of these shops will only sell to New Yorkers. Really? So I didn't need a medical card because it is an illicit shop, but I did need a New York State ID. So they wouldn't sell anything to me, but they definitely let me walk around, look at their selection, um, ask some questions. And, you know, the problem with being someone like myself, where I want to know, like, where did this, where did you get this? Like, where was it grown? Where did it come from? You sound like a fucking cop. So I'm trying to play it cool. Because <laughs> I'm not supposed to be there, but I'm like, so where do you guys get your weed? Like, is it outdoor, indoor? Like what's, what's popular these days? You know? <laughs> Tell me more about the cultivator. Like what are their names? Like, that's I'm like hell yeah. I just I'm just I'm very curious. I just kept saying I'm just a really curious person. Um, but no, they were they were down, and we got into some some good chats with I guess the bud tenders there. But how these shops are getting around um, the licensing in New York is that they're doing the classic move, which is you get weed as a gift with purchase. Yes, you got to buy a T-shirt or whatever. This particular shop was selling classic hippie patches, um, like little peace sign clothing patches and little bears. And I, you know, I didn't figure it out right away. So I was like seeing their menu and it was like 3.5 patch, you know, $25. And I was like, do you guys call Graham's patches in New York? Like, is this <laughs> some lingo I haven't heard before? Yes. <laughs> 
I haven't seen the patch thing, so I'm surprised <laughs> by that. But sure, I mean, why not? It's a thing. Get a bunch of patches off eBay, and now you got a patch shop going. That's exactly what they got going. Um, and the the bartender was telling me, well, you know, I'm curious about the flavors. I'm curious about what's popular. So right now it's all about the carts. Fair. Um, and he also said that uh, at that shop they sold the real Zaza. You know, it's like the real Zaza brand, Zaza. And I will say oh. their selection looks good. It looks real good. Sure. Hey, very nice. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the stuff that's like meant for that kind of market, like looks really damn good anyway. And uh, was it $25 an eighth? Cause that's a fair enough price for some very nice weed. You know what? Let me, uh, I, I, you know, it's funny. I was like, Hey, is it cool if I take some pictures? <laughs> Cause I was trying to explain <laughs> like, I'm like, a, I'm like a content creator. Like I just, you know, I just want to like take some pictures if that's cool. And honestly it was cool. They were really totally fine with it. Like, when I first walked in and I was asking a lot of questions, definitely that's a little suspicious because the average tourist would walk in and just ask how much a gram was or do they sell pre-rolls. So it's probably not normal for someone to walk into a black market rec shop and be, you know, asking what their best flavors are and like, what's the most popular thing they sell. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone else is like head down, like slide the money over and you're like, Hey, you got turf No? Yeah, oh. I'm, I'm Amanda. Uh, I have the Smoking Spot podcast, and I just want to know everything you can possibly tell me about weed ever. Um, yes. Super nerd. Okay, so I got the menu. I took a picture of it. Um, so if you wanted a 3.5 patch, uh, it's 25 bucks. Okay, hey. Yeah. And they're selling uh, an ounce for 150 an ounce, a 28 patch. Um yeah so that's not bad um i mean i think that's actually pretty i mean pretty comparable prices to anything oh wait but if you want the zaza it's 40 bucks for an eight okay i mean hey no not the worst i i'm still uh easily paying those prices out here for for top shelf okay and i i will say i mean they have the nice little jars with the um what's it called like the little lens at the top so it kind of zooms in when you look at it and um i will absolutely give them credit that their za <laughs> was um it looked fucking fire it was deep purples almost to black like anthocyanins to the hundredth degree um stunning trichomes were on point like it looked good so in my opinion their prices were like completely fair completely chill um and the vibe was right like i could have probably hung out there all day i was trying to play it cool um but i definitely could have kicked it there all day <laughs> and uh, talked about weed <laughs> yeah so yeah. hey i like it because a lot of the shops i've been into that are more gray market are more like get the fuck out of here or like press the button to see the menu and then the menu is not like clearly visible so yeah. It was cool. It sounds like more of the later med days here where there was a bunch of shops and it was run by a bunch of cool folks and they were mostly just trying to not get in too much trouble. This is the vibe that I got there too. Um, interestingly, uh, I learned that right now because of how New York legalized um, operating a recreational dispensary without a license only comes with a fine of about $250. So 
the fines that they're getting are so minimal um, to, you know, which is fair. Prohibition has ended. So the fact that there's fines at all is like some bylaw, you didn't open with a proper license. Like that has nothing to do with the weed aspect. It's just like you're operating without a business license while running a business. So the fines are, are very, very chill. Um, which is why when you Google it, they, they claim there's only over 1400 illicit shops in New York city. Um, there's maybe 10 out here, maybe less, maybe five. Uh, and most of them are delivery. So that's why it was tough to find a, a proper walk-in where I could mix and mingle with the locals. Uh, so yeah, there's a very low risk of operating an illicit shop and considering they're the only one I could find that I could actually walk into Everyone else either has to go to their local dealer or drive out to Seneca Nation. So if you don't have a car and you don't want to drive an hour, um, these are your options. You're going to pick up a patch at your local spot. So not bad. Really not bad. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Like, I mean, as far as local solutions go, I, I think like just being able to like stop in somewhere and spend as much as you would at another dispensary and kind of know that you're supporting someone. Hey, that, that all sounds pretty good. Yeah. And like you said, they also let me in. And this was a thing that um, I came across in Puerto Rico. And this is a thing that now I've come across here, which is there's uh, maybe 10 or 15 med shops in the area. So they're still uh, medical only. And they will not let you in the door. And I just, I find that very weird because they're operating with a license. You know, you can't buy anything. It's a medical dispensary. I don't have a card. I know I can't buy anything. I looked in the window. It looks exactly like any fucking dispensary. Everything's behind the counter. Everything's in glass cases. Um, so I really, truly do not understand what part of the law doesn't allow me to step foot in a med shop. And I went into I tried to get into a couple here just out of curiosity of like what kind of products are being sold, because there is a lot of crossover of uh, American brands that are being sold in Canada, like wild edibles, for example. And I'm seeing ads for wild around these dispensaries and stuff. So I was like, just kind of wanted to look at the prices and like the selection, but they won't even let you take one single foot in the door. Huh. That's, I mean, I, I do sort of get it, but you're right. That doesn't seem to be any legislation that is only allowing New Yorkers to purchase from there. So well, why the not med shop? Yeah. They can only New Yorkers with a med, you know, permit can shop there. Fine. I'm not trying to shop. I'm just curious as fuck about what's going on behind closed doors. And yeah. I'm from Canada. We just walk right in. So I really, truly, and, and if anything, I, I feel like the med shops should be willing to give you a little tour because what if you are a person who's interested in getting your scripts, who's interested in becoming a medical patient, but you've never stepped foot in a dispensary? What if you don't know anything about weed? Like, what if you want to go in and learn more? I can't imagine you can't just walk in. Um, you know, like I was ready to show them my ID. I was ready to sign whatever I had to sign to say, Hey, I'm not going to buy anything. Um, but yeah, they will not let you even take one single foot in the door. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point because 
ideally they should be stewards for the system saying like, Oh, Hey, you have Crohn's, uh, you feel like cannabis would help whatever condition you have. Uh, maybe you don't smoke. Maybe you don't know what's going on here at all. Great. Come through. We'll show you what's good. We'll show you what some people use these products for. We'll tell you about dosing edibles because if you're uninitiated, that's probably something you have no clue on. And yeah. then you would leave and you'd go, man, I really like those people. When I get my card or my paycheck or whatever it takes, that's who I'm going to go see again. That is exactly what I'm saying. I think it's so wild that it's just no entry, no go, get your script and then come in. And I think there's actually something kind of wrong with that, you know, because there's a lot of educated bud tenders working in these spaces, but also every time I've tried to get in and been denied, they're always fucking assholes about it. Like they're not even nice about it. Like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to convince someone to let me in. Like I've seen dispensaries. I don't need to go in. I'm just, interested um so for me the fact that they're just kind of rude about it on top of that so yeah if you come here don't even bother because it's just not a good time they won't answer your questions they won't talk to you because really at the end of the day the person at the door i would love to just say what is popular around here like what are new yorkers smoking what are med patients using the most like i'm just interested in the culture around the community um and there is a no answer no question no entry don't even think about it attitude um across the board that i find a little little odd personally yeah it's like it reminds me of like the sketchier strip clubs where (laughs) you end up there and no you there's no walking in hey we need like forty dollars you're like i I don't know. This could just be like a black room on the other side. What is even going on? They're like, well, all right, get out of here then. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it feels like a, a weird uh, tactic. It is a very weird tactic. Um, so, you know, I would say overall, uh, the cannabis tourism experience, if you're not in Manhattan, it's not here. It's not ready yet. And um, I know a lot of, uh, you know, like I work in cannabis tourism and I work with a lot of different people and brands that are really trying to pump Canadian cannabis tourism as this like new industry for job creation and opportunities. Um, And so people have been very, very concerned since what December 29th when housing works co opened uh, about the tourism aspect, because it is such a quick drive from New York to Toronto. And we were getting a lot of tourists from the New York area. Um, As of right now, there is, nothing happening we the way things are rolling out so so slowly um i don't think torontonians or niagara ites i don't know what they're called um (laughs) the canadian side um i don't think any of them need to be concerned for at least two or three more years uh there's it's just going to be really slow to roll out and the black market uh doesn't have any events or activities it's I mean, time and time again, I go to these places to explore the cannabis community and time and time again, I have to say I'm disappointed because I'm not just looking to go to dispensaries and buy weed and go to shops. Um, I'm interested in interesting, innovative things that go beyond that scope of just retail. Um, 
Denver was the same. Colorado was the same. You know, Colorado is supposedly cannabis tourist destination number one. There's nothing to fucking do there. That is, it's really disheartening because there is so much room for this to exist. And I know there are these little pockets of Airbnbs and I, I hear about them, but I have, no one has sat me down and said like, I went to this place and they rolled out like a whole flight of rosins for me and several jars and let me pick. And then we sip tea and smoke these things. And then I fell asleep on like a pillow. It always is just like, oh, cool. There's like a kind of clean bowl next to my check-in package at this Airbnb, uh, which is cool. That's a start. But I want the full nine. I want the whole, can we just have that experience where someone is providing cannabis and hospitality in the same setting and it's it's not like a wink wink nod nod go to this specific airbnb page because they won't kick you out if you smoke weed and this is the thing and i'm not trying to shit on america here which by the way this week i watched rambo i watched rambo and top gun so i'm in the zone okay i'm like here for stars and bars hashtag freedom i'm here for it yeah my hand just went over my heart instinctively (laughs) Yeah, like I'm ready for, you know, full freedom. However, I'm going to shit on Canada a little bit too here because we're not doing anything fucking cool either. We don't have, same thing, it's, you know, here and there, there's Airbnbs that are weed friendly, but like, again, no one's really stepped up to do, I I don't know, Ryan, give me some, like something else, you know, like, literally anything activities tours you know like i was saying puerto rico i was talking to cesar and we were talking about doing bird watching tours and going to the bio bay and smoking weed before you go to the bio bay like that is a good time that's fun so even like a tour bus taking you from the greyhound in buffalo um right across the border to salamanca to the dispos and maybe you get to walk around a farm like that is a cool activity that could be planned next week. That's not a huge, um, you know, it's not the church of cannabis in Denver, but it's something, um, it's an activity. And again, you know, we've been legal in Canada since 2018. We haven't really been able to facilitate these types of opportunities either. So I don't know. I just, I, I thought New York, like I, I was hoping for a little bit more rumblings of, potential things that are happening but for the most part um for something that's been in prohibition for a century i think i just expected a lot more excitement as places continue to legalize it's been more of a whisper you know than a bang yeah it does bum me out how uh how slowly everything is happening but i mean i'm here watching it day to day and from the outside people are probably like wow, my neighborhood went from having a lot of uh, weed billboards in it to a lot of dispensaries. And I guess that's just what it is now. Um, But, you know, I'm hoping for more progress. And when I hear about places like New York, which has this great population base, um, a ton of educated consumers with money to burn, uh, I'm really hoping for more than just like a couple of shops and a few places that are like just behind on the times. Um, But it is encouraging to hear that the product is there. So the people who care about weed 
can source good products, can grow good weed, can get it in the hands of the people that like to smoke it. Uh, I just want to see it more widely adopted. And here's another food for thought. I was also, every time I go to these places, um, I'm always looking for that local flavor. I know people are growing here. I know people are growing everywhere. People have been and continue to grow. And actually, New York differs from Ontario in that you can grow six plants here um, as an individual. So that's kind of oh. nice. Six plants yeah, is like a nice cool. Plant. Yeah, six is kind of generous. Yeah, that's like, well, compared to, you know, some other places that want to encourage yeah. you to grow a hundred bucks. Yeah, to grow yeah relatively, <laughs> right? Um, you know, Missouri, um, get it together. So yeah, they have six plants here. But it's one of those things where, you know, you want to seek out the local flavors. So the one thing I did think was really funny um, was when I was at the uh, the rec shop asking questions. Um, I was asking about, like, what kind of strains are really popular right now? What kind of things are sort of popping off? And the first strain that the person named, um, do you want to guess? Um, I'm so curious about this. I, I really just want to say Gorilla Glue. It was fucking Gorilla Glue. <laughs> Yes, yes. Oh, good. A man after my own heart and, you know, 2019's favorite herb. 2019, I would throw that back even uh, much further to like 2012, maybe 2013. Oh, you're right That's about generous. that. Yeah, I'm being generous with the 2019. Hey, like I said, I still I still like some good glue. I mean, everyone does, uh, to be fair, but like, Really, Ryan, that cracked me up because when I was like, what's the good good around here? And he was like, oh, well, you know, Gorilla Glue. At least he didn't say cookies. Let's just, you know, he did not say cookies. Sure. But I cannot believe, listeners, we did not plan this. That was a genuine guess on Ryan's part. He had no idea. Hey, I know what the people like. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of a bummer, right? I'm like, it's New York. It's the big alcohol. It's, it's fucking New York. And y'all are pulling Gorilla Glue out of the, you know, uh, yeah. So this is the, you know, we need to see some more local stuff happening. I would love a day where every state had its state flower, right? Like oh. each state has its own strain, its own flower, its own thing that is like maybe locally grown or maybe just super popular in that region. I don't know. What do you think um, Oregon's state well, can of flowers it, it has been Jaeger for the longest time, but now that's kind of like has a, a bad connotation just because I, I, I still like licorice black licorice herb, that, that hint, that profile. It's usually outdoor. Um, the plants just yield like monster amounts and are great for this uh, region. So everyone grew Jaeger for the longest time. Everyone is mostly sick of it by now. Um, mm. But it's one of those things where if you find a good batch of it, it's still really nice. All right. I'll have to, I'll have to test it out when I come to Oregon. Maybe we just need to make a map ourselves and we need to suss out, you know, what each state flower should be. Yeah. Um, so people yeah. know what to try when they get there. Easy uh, enough. What's your local regional flower at home? I I really think Ontario. Uh, I think we do really well with like Northern Lights tends to be one that you see around, but it's, this is the irony of it. If you went to a dispensary and asked, what's your most popular flavors, it's going to be fucking blue dream. It's going to be cookies, uh, you know, descendant of cookies. It's going to be the gorilla glues like, and, well, I was talking to the, the bud tender here in Buffalo 
I said to him, you know, I laughed when he said Gorilla Glue because that's such a classic fucking answer. But there are strains that have changed the face of cannabis forever and have completely changed cannabis culture forever. You know, they will live on in infamy. There is no getting around it. And absolutely Gorilla Glue, Blue Dream and cookies. Um, Maybe we'll throw some like lemon haze into the mix. Maybe some like super silver strains. You know, there's these strains that have completely changed the face of how we smoke weed. Um, And I would I would argue, you know, Northern Lights is probably up there. Um, And the reason I would name it as maybe a more local flavor is that it does grow well in Ontario compared to Cali strains like the cookies, like the Blue Dream that don't suit our more wet growing environments. Yeah. And I mean, I I think that's great, too. And it makes sense that something like uh, uh, cookies is going to be trendy and catch fire and be available all over the world. Um, But you still can find those local favorites and they're just not the pop stars. You know, they're they take a little more digging. They take a little more appreciation. Um, There was uh, there's an herb here uh, grown in Hood River. I believe it's called Stinky Pete. Mm. And it's one of those, like, the old dudes love Stinky Pete. They'll buy an ounce of it, and it'll last them two and a half months. And that's what they like to smoke. And so when I went and I visited the garden, and they were like, you got to try this. And I thought it was interesting enough to write about. Uh, I did not love this Stinky Pete, because if I want something that stinks, I'll reach for GMO. Or I'll reach for chem. That's the stink that I want. Mm-hmm. This was just kind of like moldy wood. <laughs> and I'm sure if you had been smoking that for the last 10 years, you're like, I really like that kind of weird spicy profile. And people love it. It, it is that local flavor that, that someone is going to say like, well, this might not be for everyone, but give this a shot. And so, yeah, I want to try those all over the place. And I should hope that the dispensaries also have a little of that too for like the local flavor. That's my dream. This is my dream. This is what I want to happen. You know, I want to be able to come back to Buffalo in a few months and see some changes, see some flavors, see some things happening, see some activities happening. Um, Maybe next time I'll go a little further, further south and do a little more exploration. But um for this trip, you know, what we've learned is that um, legalization is a is a slow moving train um, and it continues to be slow moving. But, um, you know, I will sum up this experience by saying that I absolutely 1000 percent respect what New York is trying to do um, and how they're rolling things out. Um, I respect that the black market is still thriving in all these creative, amazing ways. Um, I love the fact that indigenous communities are able to get in on the green boom um, in their own way. And so there's a lot of cool stuff that's happening here. Even if it isn't a big change from other places, it's still nice to see the early days. And, you know, a few months down the line, we'll see what it's like a few years down the line. 10 years down the line, you know, we'll look back on this episode and we'll have a good chuckle because, you know, Fort Erie will be entirely 1,001 dispensaries and farm to table, you know, uh, farm gate and all that. I'm sure we'll see 
Yeah, I'll hand you like a big filled vaporizer volcano bag as soon as you walk in the door. Uh, yeah, home goods and like, enjoy your shopping. Um, yeah, hey, we yeah. are getting there, and it is it is sort of cool to see how the individual states handle it. Uh, sure, it's annoying, but also like, hey, it gives us something to talk about. Something's new. I travel to other locations, and I go check out the weed scene here, just in the states, and most of the time. Hey, it's not as great as Oregon that's been growing nearly legal cannabis for the last 20 years and it's practically generational at this point. Uh, and that's okay because they're doing their own shit over there and I can't always compare it. It's like, why don't I just check out what they have to offer instead of being like, well, it's not the same weed I have at home. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's an adventure. It's weed. So even when it's bad, it's still kind of good. Exactly. So there is one, a couple things I just want to say before we kind of wrap up this episode here. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's in regards to how that the legislation is rolling out. So I just do, I want to shout out a couple things that I think to me are the most interesting about what's happening here. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did a little dig on the Housing Works Cannabis Co. And so they're the first one that opened, uh, I think it was the 29th of December, 2022. They're the first rec shop. Um, and that was the one you see the pictures of and all that. So they are a nonprofit that was founded in 1990 that was um, making efforts to address the HIV and AIDS crisis and also help with homelessness in the city of New York. So right now, that company selling fucking weed, money from their sales are actively being reinvested into services that they were already providing. So that means that they're helping people that are unhoused. They're helping people that were formerly incarcerated. Um, and of course, people with cannabis convictions. Um, and so that's a big reason why people were going there and really eager to shop because you're buying weed, but instead of the money going into the pockets of some rich fuck, the money is going into actually helping out people in the community. Um, and so I think that's really neat. The next one that opened um, and this is the third one that just opened. It's called the um, Union Square Travel Agency. Um, they're a subsidiary of something called the Doe Fund, which is a nonprofit that has helped over 30,000 people break the cycle of poverty, homelessness, and incarceration. They right. run a program called Ready, Willing, and Able, and it provides paid work, housing, and comprehensive support services to homeless and formerly incarcerated people in New York City. So awesome. seriously, that is absolutely, absolutely mind-blowing. And, you know, I'm rocking my last Prisoner Project hoodie right now. Um, these are the types of businesses that I want to support. I don't want to be supporting... Um, is it relief this week that is uh, got called out for working with Russian oligarchs in cannabis legalization? Oh, yeah, cure relief, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could all be shopping cure relief, uh, and you know whatever absolute shit show has unfolded in that situation, or we can look to New York and say forty percent of cannabis sales are going directly back into the community, and to me that's. As a new industry, these are things we can be doing. And New York is really taking this moment to set a precedent. And so it's nice to know that we're able to support all of these people in the state of New York through legalization. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And and think about any other top tier product. Like most of the high-end boozes are owned by somebody like LVMH, 
uh, which is just a big luxury brand that makes money on these goods for just by like charging tons more than they're worth. These Veblen goods or luxury mm -hmm. brands or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the cool thing about weed right now is if you go and buy some really good weed, the cultivator is getting a good chunk of that. It's not just rolling up the hill to some rich white guy, especially yeah. in situations like the patch store or, or you know, like, like decide where you're buying your weed from, but you can still exercise those kind of buying decisions that have real power behind them, uh, which is cool. You can't do that in most other like luxury or high-end markets. This is true. And it, the same goes for Toronto. We do have a lot of independent dispensaries. We do have these little bits and pieces of things, you know, sending some income towards nonprofits that they want to fund, but not on this scale, not a statewide province-wide scale and really commitment to writing it into legislation. That's a powerful moment. I think that's a really powerful moment for America. Yeah. Hey, let's, let's see more of that. Um, I got to watch less Top Gun, but you know what? I'm in the zone right now. <laughs> no, you need it on repeat. You need to put one headphone in just playing <laughs> Top Gun and just <laughs> goosing you up. Uh, Nobody told me that Goose dies. Just, you know, I was very distraught. You just told uh, everybody. That's, you're supposed to keep that under wraps. <laughs> and when you turn 18, you get the envelope and it has all the information inside. But now <laughs> any old Canadian that wants to listen to our podcast is going to find out our secrets. I am so sorry. We're going to have to throw a spoiler alert at the beginning <laughs> of this episode. That is my bad. Like, next I'll ruin the sixth sense, you know. Well, <laughs> uh, well, right on. Hey, um, so go ahead and keep an eye out on newsstands or dispensaries that you're in. The Leaf magazine uh, this month uh, has Cheech and Chong on the cover, which is cool. It's the culture issue. I feel pretty good about having my stuff prominently displayed in something with uh, these like weed icons on the cover. Cool. I wanted so. Uh, Hell yeah. now, uh, next month is our flower issue. So I'm really stoked. I've got a bunch of little mini impressions and, uh, you know, really excited about the near and dear subject to my heart flower being featured for next month's issue. So keep an eye out for all of that stuff. Congratulations. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally fun. Um, you know where to find us. We're all over Instagram. Go ahead and search us up. Please give us five stars and a slight bit of bad news. I tried to like boost and promote our stuff uh, over the weekend. And it was like, nah, -uh, too much weed stuff. We will not allow you to do that. So if you want this podcast to continue, tell your friends, send it to somebody who likes weed or smells or whatever. Um, we're here for it. Yeah. Cool. Um, Amanda, anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, hmm, great question. No, I'm just going to go uh, look at the snow that's forming outside and figure out if I can ever get back to Canada again. But um, I do appreciate being back down here in the States and exploring uh, Americana at its finest, weed and PBR and chicken wings. <laughs> Puff country. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's good to be back and uh, we'll have more episodes on the road, I'm sure in the future. Well, cheers to that and yeehaw. Anything wish life may bring you. 
Or smoke it up, hold it down and don't ever stop Well you can always find your smoking spot Yeah, you can always find your smoking spot